Welcome to this Healthcare IT Today CIO podcast. I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare IT Today, and I'm excited to bring you the most practical healthcare CIO insights and perspectives. We know your job is challenging and we want to help you be more successful. And today's guest is someone who I think has a lot to offer in this regard, and he's Daniel Barchi. He's Chief Information Officer at New York Presbyterian. Welcome, Daniel. Great. Thanks for having me, John. Yeah, so I'm excited to, to learn about your experience. Uh, you know, we have a lot of good topics today, but before we dive into that, tell us a little bit about yourself and New York Presbyterian. Sure, I'm happy to. I've been a healthcare CIO for about 15 years after a career in the Navy and the telecom industry. I've been here at New York Presbyterian for about six years. New York Presbyterian is a very large academic medical center with 11 campuses in the New York City metro region. We're also the partner in the teaching hospital for Wild Cornell and for Columbia. So it's a great resource to have top-notch physicians from these two great academic medical institutes. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's such an important organization, I think, in New York. So it's great to have you here. You know, as I looked back, I, I thought that we had to at least talk a little bit of COVID. Uh, you know, New York was the epicenter for so much of the start of COVID as we knew it. Uh, I think we all have those memories in our head. But what was it like being CIO of a hospital that was really at the epicenter of that COVID outbreak? Sure. Thanks for asking. And boy, it's a lot to remember. We were fortunate because we'd been planning a major EMR go live at the end of January in 2020. And we got live and we were optimizing for about three weeks in February when we had our first case come in. And that was the beginning of what you well know became a wave, especially here in New York in the Northeast. And yeah. it was a challenging time. We got up to about 2,500 COVID positive patients in-house across all of our hospitals with four or 500 in the ICUs alone. And from an operations point of view, our physicians and operations officers did a remarkable job because we had to maximize our staff, think about the patients we needed to care for who were not COVID positive, uh, think about all of our operational logistic needs. At the same time, we were trying to fight something we hadn't done before. So it was certainly a great learning experience. Really proud of the leadership team here at New York Presbyterian at Columbia and Wild Cornell for the way we all came together but it was a hard six months before we could look back on it. Yeah, well, that had to hamper your EHR implementation. I mean, I just, I'm trying to process three, you know, a month before or something, you just finished your implementation and now you're like, oh, okay, now I gotta deal with COVID on top of that. that, that that's a lot to deal with. Well, you'd appreciate this as would any CIO. Certainly when you go live with something like that, you wanna spend a long time optimizing and tweaking and you know making sure that it's well used we had a good solid two three weeks but then that was it and then yeah. everybody's attention turned to fighting covid and this is why i'm so proud of our technology staff uh, that we were able to pivot from being all hands on deck focused on electronic medical record to how do we maintain core operations and then surge many of our team members into other roles because staffing was such an issue for clinicians that they needed help on the floors, not necessarily more clinicians, but we had IT team members who were operating as facilities people, they were supporting logistics, we were supporting morgue operations, we were supporting food service, 
And in so, so many ways, we helped to staff the organization so that frontline caregivers could focus on the patients. Yeah, it's amazing how EHR optimization goes out to the window when those things are a demand. So what are some of the changes from COVID that maybe you're looking at kind of working to institutionalize into your organization? Sure. Well, one of our COVID experiences uh, changed some of the way that we even think about go lives, like the EMR implementation. If you think about it, we had a surge in the March, April, May timeframe, and then a second surge in the summer timeframe, yeah, July, right. August, and September. But knowing that it could get worse, we had another major go live scheduled for November. And because we saw this second wave coming, we actually accelerated our second EMR go live. So think about hmm. that. We had a major EMR go live at a major academic medical center with about 18,000 users on February 1st. We were supposed to go live November 3rd with our second go live and we accelerated it. We didn't put it off. We didn't cancel it. We brought it earlier on October 1st because we knew we needed to get the system in and everybody operating on the same platform. So again, I'm very proud of our clinical team, our IT and operations team, the way that everybody worked through a second COVID surge, preparing and then pulling off a major EMR go live, mostly virtual. So unlike a lot of people on the floors of the <laughs> hospital or in command centers, we were able to do it at a, another major academic medical center with about 17,000 end users, uh, but keeping everybody safe at the same time. That's incredible. I mean, I guess that means you place a ton of value on the EHR to accelerate that. I mean, do you, do you see that EHR as kind of a core component of your strategy for effectively providing care? Or where do you see the EHR in kind of that spectrum? We do. New York Presbyterian is a teaching institute. It's academic medical institute. We take care of patients in this area and who fly in from around the world for the best medical care. And the best medical care means that we have really tight conditions for operations, for procedures, for quality. And the only way you can really standardize and optimize is if everybody's using the same platform and you agree on processes and protocols. So certainly while the EMR itself is important, it's the methodology about having physicians and nurses agree on the process and the tools that you're using and then rigorously reinforcing them. I trained as an engineer, and normally in engineering, there's one best way to do something. <laughs> we don't normally take that approach with healthcare. We're all respectful of one another and different approaches. And yet, there is a lot of value in standardizing in a very thoughtful way, letting the physicians make those decisions. We certainly wouldn't want for technology people to tell them what to do, but to create the environment where they could make a consensus best decision. And then we codify the tools so it support those. Yeah, I was just seeing on Twitter today, some people arguing for more of that standardization, you know, as a, a standard of care and just to provide the higher quality care. It's a challenging discussion, though, right? Uh, you know, it's 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 infinitely more complex than many of the engineering problems out there because the human body is complex. So true. Well, I always say that healthcare IT itself is about 80 percent people, 15 percent process and only five percent technology. So making the technology changes is the small part of the equation. Getting the people to agree on the processes is, you know, 95% of it. And so that's where I feel we've got such a great IT leadership team here because the VPs and the directors and the managers in our team are good with the technology, 
but they're very good with the people. They know how to reach out to different clinicians, how to get them together for consensus decision-making, to plan meetings in a way that lead to outcomes, not necessarily the outcomes that we want. We're ambivalent about the clinical yeah. choice. We just want the clinicians to have all of the options in front of them so they can make the right choices. And then we put those into place for them. Yeah, that's such a great way to frame it. And you talk about leadership. I, I found it interesting that your education really includes uh, being a, a brigade commander at the U.S. Naval Com Academy. So you have some military experience. Uh, what are some of the leadership lessons you've learned in the military that maybe you can use as CIO or that maybe you teach to your team? Sure. Well, one of the things I learned in the military and pretty much everybody who has a military experience in an early age learns is you can accomplish so much. So most people, no matter what kind of boot camp or experience they've gone through, get to the point where there's not much that can challenge them. If you tell them they have to carry out a huge task, they're not overwhelmed. They think, what do I need to do? All right, step one, step two, step three, stay calm and work it out. And I think the military is a great environment for a lot of people to learn at an early age, just everything that they can accomplish if they're given the opportunity. My personal experience was being a very junior officer at a young age with a lot of people working for me. I recognized that I was not the expert in the room. I was a communications officer on a warship. Then I was the anti-submarine warfare officer on a cruiser. And in both of those um, situations where I was in my early 20s with a large number of people working for me, with all of my subordinates much older with, than me, uh, with many more years, but I was the officer, I recognize they're not looking for me to tell them how to do the technology. They're not looking for me to tell them how to run the torpedoes and the sonars. They're looking for leadership. So my job was not to tell them, okay, here's the plan maintenance we need to do. It's, hey, chief, what do you need to do today? How can I help? Um, how's the team doing? What problems do we need to solve? Do you need any resources? Can I run interference for you? So as a leader, I'm not involved in the details. I'm involved in making sure that the team has the right environment to do what they're trained and really capable of doing. Well said. What a great lesson. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, as we look at the challenges of healthcare, they could be overwhelming. So that, that, that lesson about you can do hard things and, you know, piece by piece is uh, that, that's a powerful lesson. Well, I will tell you, you know, having a military experience and then working in a Fortune 50 telecom company before I got into healthcare. Healthcare is by far the most complex industry I've ever been in. Wow. This is much more complex than an aircraft carrier or a cruiser or even a publicly traded telecom company because we're running so many different businesses. Certainly people like us are running the technology shop. We're doing a little bit of development. We're almost like a consulting arm of a large organization carrying out projects. But then we have whole food service verticals. We have finance verticals. Wow. We have customer service. You can almost think of it as a hotel service that we run. And then we have the world-class physicians and nurses who are doing incredible things in day-to-day -day care. And then with the academic medical center, we layer on the research component and working with world-class universities. So for the CEO or a COO who's running one of these complex institutions, it pales and it makes other things pale in comparison. Yeah. So what's your biggest struggle as CIO? So I'm fortunate to be in an organization where we've got good resources, we've got good vision and strategy, 
there is probably a, a short-term and a long-term answer to the question. The short-term is how do we get everybody, everybody focused on what we need to do every day? So knowing that if a radiologist calls us at 7.30 at night, she probably has something really important that we need to solve. And it's not something that we need to push off, not something we need to question, not something we need to say, oh, we'll study it. The question is, how do we help this radiologist right now? And then the question longer term is, what was it that went wrong there? And then how do we prevent it from happening in the long term? So we take every day's lesson and then try to program it into what are we planning for next year and 10 years from now? And what kind of operational and capital and other planning do we need to do? So I'd say it's not a trouble and it's not a challenge, but it's an interesting way of going about it, thinking in every moment, how do we optimize what we're doing in the moment, but how do we apply every lesson to the long term so we're always growing? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I actually was introduced to you by Ed Marks, who he, he called you his, his running buddy or something like that. I guess you go running often and, and you're a marathon runner. Are there some lessons you can take from uh, running marathons and, and apply them to your job as CIO or, or maybe to health IT in general? Well, I'll talk more practically than I'll talk philosophically. So practically, I enjoy running. It's, it's great. Um, it's a great way to think about the day and, and stay yeah, in shape. that's true. And it, it supports the mind body of being somebody who's healthy and able to be ready to meet any challenge at work. Um, I enjoy listening to books when I run and especially with all the running I've been doing during the pandemic, I'm cranking through all kinds of books that I wouldn't have had a chance to otherwise. And so the practical is it's great physical exercise. It's a great way to end the day or to start the day and to learn a lot at the same time. I almost wish I didn't listen to as many books because there are other times when I'm running either without music or not listening to books or when I'm swimming, when you can't really listen to anything that you can be in your own head. And I find when I swim, because I'm not listening to anything, I almost have more ideas and do free association and think about the problems of the day and have ideas for the future uh, to the point where I need to leave my phone at the end of the pool so that I can dry off my hands while I'm still in the water and like type notes to myself and then continue to swimming. Otherwise, <laughs> nice. I wouldn't remember them. So I'd say that any kind of exercise or any kind of endeavor anybody has outside of work, if it fulfills them, if it gets their mind off of work, but especially if it allows them to think more deeply about bigger uh, issues, I think it's a good experience. You know, I like to look at it as kind of a, you know, you listen to the books or you read the books to put a bunch of raw materials into your head. And then when you do it without the books, you can use all those raw materials to create something and to solve problems, you know? So that, that I like the mixture of the two. It's, a, it's interesting how you framed it. Right. Unfortunately, I'm putting too much in and not doing enough uh, independently without. So I need to take <laughs> more time and quiet time. Yeah, it's a balance, right? Because you want to have enough raw materials, or you don't, ha you know, you don't have the materials you need to create. So that's a, a great perspective. So you know, it's kind of as we wrap up here. Uh, is there a piece of advice you, you you were given, or that you'd let you know, that you could give that uh, you'd pass down to future CIOs that you know either just started their career or uh, maybe would like to be a CIO one day. Sure. Well, I'll talk about one thing about operating as a CIO and then one on the career side of it. Okay. Operating as a CIO, I think we're really fortunate in uh, technology leadership roles because 
we're almost an ambassador without portfolio. Technology mm -hmm. is in every part of uh, healthcare operations. And so we're involved in food service, in logistics, in strategy, in day-to-day -day operations, in, in cutting edge surgical care. And being parts of all of a health system is a fortunate spot to be in because we can make change everywhere. What we do influences the outcome of the operations. And in many ways, we support operations almost more than anybody else who is not clinically at the bedside. So I feel very fortunate. And I think all of us should think of ourselves not as technology people, but as healthcare leaders who happen to have a, an IT portfolio to carry out some of what's needed. So that's how I think about being a CIO. In terms of career, um, early on, especially when I was thinking about leaving the Navy and getting into private industry, and I was talking to a number of people, somebody gave me great advice, which was just do your best in every role mm -hmm. and the opportunity will present itself. Somebody will come along and tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, here's another challenge that you need to step into, or here's a great opportunity. And so uh, when people say, what's your two-year plan, what's your five and 10-year plan, I've never really had one. I've gone from really interesting opportunity to great challenge to great opportunity. And they've all been great. And they've all come as a result of finding myself in a role, working very hard, having a great time, working with a great team. And then at some point, almost growing out of the role and having somebody else say, you know, you're needed over here, or I really think you should go over there. Or would you come join our organization? We've got a big mess. We need you to join it and help us take us to the next level. So. I'd say just do your best in any role and the opportunities present themselves. Yeah, that's good advice. Do you think that the fact that IT is involved in everything can get overwhelming? Because I think that's the other challenge a CIO faces is they could make an impact on everything, right? So how do you deal with that prioritization element of it? Sure. Actually goes back to my early Navy days when I recognized I was not the expert and you know, my number two might be a chief petty officer with 20 plus years who I am technically his boss, but he knows way more about it than I do. So we've got a chief transformation officer on my team, a, a chief technology officer, a chief information security officer, and certainly every one of those people are experts at what they do and they know their individual business better. So my job is not to be involved in every piece of it. It's to see the opportunities and then vector them or members of their team or other resources to the challenge. So it could be overwhelming if every time there was an issue or an opportunity or a challenge, I personally got involved. That's not necessarily my job. It's to see what the challenge is, do a little triage with the other executives in the health system, and then bring the right members of my team to the table, make sure everything's going okay, and then step into the next role. Certainly there's the follow-up piece and keeping fingers on everything that's going on. Sure. But if any of us gets too deep, then we're probably missing the bigger message. Awesome. Well, this was uh, incredible. Uh, I can see why you've been such a successful leader. Uh, you're so articulate and uh, you understand the problem so well. So thanks so much for taking part and thanks everyone for watching and listening. If you want to find other episodes in the CIO podcast series, you can be sure to check them out at healthcareittoday.com. Thanks, Daniel. Thank you, John.